Welcome to Dynamics Update, and uh, this time is not a regular episode, uh, not one that where we talk about uh, updates and so on, but this time we actually have a guest, me and Gustav. Hi Gustav. Hello everyone. And the guest today is Mötz Jensen. I'm, I'm hoping I pronounced that uh, fairly correctly. That is uh, good enough. <laughs> that's good, good enough for me. Good enough. Yes, that's, yeah, Welcome, that's fine. Welcome. Pleasure to have you here. Thank you. All right, so tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, so uh, my name is uh, Mötz Jensen. I'm uh, located here in Denmark, and I'm working for a small partner here in Denmark with the focus and specialty of dynamics, FNO, like we use and love. And if people maybe not know me all too well, I hope they know my little project that I have going on for the community. I am the maintainer and one of the founders of the Dynamics FNO.tools, the PowerShell module that will try to make your life easier and maybe save the day from time to time. So that's me. Yeah, sure. So. Uh, uh... What 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 is the background between behind the D three sixty five FO tools? Yeah, so uh, I had a colleague and he's a dear friend of mine. We were starting around with uh, seven point one, seven point two with a new customer project, and we didn't we didn't participate in any of the testing, the beta testing, or the TAP program or anything like that. So it was like a massive learning experience from us getting our hands dirty with the first version of 7.1. And we actually started on 7.1 and then they got upgraded to 7.2. And in all of that upgrade, we had to like move around backpack files and all of that. And one of the blog posts that we had to read from Microsoft was taking 25 minutes just to read the blog post of how to export a database from a developer environment and push that into a tier two environment it's like yeah that was a that was a mess going from the sequel yeah, to yeah, yeah. SQL. And, and, <laughs> yes and that's <laughs> that alone that blog post alone made me and mike look at each other and say okay this cannot be right it's like let's call all the guys we know in the world that works with dynamics as like did we miss anything? Did we, didn't we get the memo? Are you having some tools supplied by Microsoft? It's like, what what are we doing? It's like, do we plan on having a entire community reading and like doing smaller scripts and documentation and video guides on how to work with this thing that we have to do all over again and again? And everyone says like, there isn't anything and there isn't anything on the roadmap and we don't expect anything to come in the near future. And we was like, okay, this, this is not going to fly. And then we sat down and it's like, okay, what can we do? And at some point we said, we're going to do a PowerShell module. None of us did that prior in our life. And we thought, how hard can it be? And then we said, uh, we set two goals. The first goal was we need to be able to import users into the database from outside of the application right because we were running a uh, you know a implementation project and we had several test runs with uh, data and data migration that we had to reset the users and all of that so that was like we need to be able to import users mm -hmm. and we need to be able to export to a backpack file and when when that works we have a module and it took like four weeks of of hard work and at some point he and i'm sorry to say this on 
on the record, <laughs> he reversed engineered one of the DLL files and he learned how to, you know, how to import users to the database and they worked. Yeah. Fantastic. And from there it rolled. Yeah. Yeah. That rolled from there. So it's very cool. So four weeks of hard work and then uh, then it took us four more weeks to like understand how to do a module and then we like in week five we said it's gonna be open source. We need to share it with the community. It doesn't make sense that we keep it for ourselves and we hope that people would like skip in and all of that. Yeah. So that's the uh, that's the start story of FNO tools. That's really cool. I I know seeing uh, whatever new version hits on Twitter, I see your fantastic promotion. Now we can do it. That's really cool. <laughs> it's, it's fantastic <laughs> to see the, how it evolves from basically and both with exactly what you're saying there that both that new AX, the Rainier client, seven point one, all that stuff that yeah. was brand new when it was like oh it's just 2012 in the cloud but no it really wasn't 2012 in the cloud it was no, a no. whole different thing it wasn't um and and this at the same time shifting all of that documentation to docs which is i mean if you look at it now it's a whole different ball game of of um usability and actually being actual valid content as well on docs whereas i know as well in the beginning a lot of stuff happened in the in the comments of those doc sections but it's like this no this does not work okay then it got changed, but otherwise it was just there for like six months until someone in that team got to it. So they were kind of doing two things at the same time, both both upgrading the docs and implementing AX at the same time. So it was really... Yeah, and, and supporting the uh, customers exactly, as well, exactly, right? Yeah, exactly, because... a big shift as well for them. Yeah. I mean, one thing here is that I've been working with Dynamics since I think not as long as you, but at least eight dot something release. And... That's. I think that's the story of, of everything, is that there is no one who has been able to tell you how it's supposed to work, <laughs> how you're supposed to do things. Yeah. As, as Gustav is saying, Docs is getting really, really good right now, but, but there are still things that this is how it should work, and, but then you realize that it's not how it actually works. <laughs> so my, my background is actually starting back in 2008, that's the first time I joined the partners channel here in Denmark. And my first version that I truly worked on was a AX 2009. And then I also had to support like older version than that. Yeah. So the oldest version that I ever worked with was 3.0. And then everything from that on and upwards have, I have touched more than yeah. once. So what I'm, what I'm feeling about all of this is that the Yammer community is actually giving me way more value in terms of, of learning about how the product works and what other people are actually hitting as obstacles or roadblockers in their implementation. Yeah, totally. And taking that learning back to my customers, saying, okay, I know it might not be important now, but just note that if you are ever going to do, you know, data management framework uh, integrations, there is an issue or sometimes an issue that it doesn't pick up files and the customer's like, we don't, we're not, we're not going to hit that error. And it's like three months later, it is like, <laughs> you did. didn't you yeah, say, exactly. so, yeah. yeah, I, yeah, I did. Yeah. And I, I mean, yeah. one, one of the most important things with Jammer as well as is, of course, there are a lot of people who has, has bumped into these issues, but it's also actually the only direct channel to someone working with developing in the product, the product. Mm, yeah, the product because the problem yeah. is that if I've, I've been in several fast track uh, projects and and all of them always um, point you towards support 
And the problem is that support does not know how things should be done. Support knows how to fix a specific problem. And that's really different because... And, and you, you shouldn't actually expect support to be able to tell you how it's supposed to work because that's not their job. Their job is to solve nope. the issue as quickly as possible, even if it, if, even if it means taping things together. But, but it's actually not their, their work. It's not mm. their job to, to tell you how it's supposed to work. But I mean, that's also a shift, right? Because also in the beginning of these projects, a lot, a lot of that content did come from support because that was like the only way to get something uh, to like, how, how, how am I supposed to make this work? Can you help me put me into contact with product team? I had the same experience as you. I mean, a smaller project was the first one did not that much like um, input. Whereas nowadays you have so much, so many channels, you have Yammer, you have, I mean, I, I just, um, I, I um, uh, was interested in one of these uh, um, microservices that they put up, the visibility app. And just took me like a day to be in, on an inside Teams channel together with the product team and just a lot of content to just... So I now, I now have three different channels for just getting a, seeing what everyone else is doing. So that's perfect. But the problem is kind of it's too much, right? So then you start filtering, uh, filtering out. So uh, Yeah, or you might even lose out exactly. because... If if you if you like have ten sources of information for the same technology stack that you work in as your professional life yeah. and career, right? It's like you can only have so much focus on getting new content ingested into into your life exactly. while keeping your host customers and everything else happy and working. No, exactly. It's like at some point it's gonna be information overload. Yeah, absolutely. And then we just have to pick that the current project that I'm in whatever is valid for that or makes sense for that project, I'm going to look into that. And then when we come to the next custom on the next implementation, like in six months time, then we are missing out for six months of learning, right? And then we have a new steep learning curve because we have to catch up in another area that we haven't been looking into for the last six months, right? It's so it's, we always behind the game in terms of that we are not the all knowing partner anymore because the application is so, complex and massive compared to the previous version yeah right? absolutely and and of course as well combined with with the uh well flexibility use you back in the day if you didn't have a functionality you could you build you built it right now you have a number of ISVs yeah. and a lot of external applications and the integration capabilities um not to say the least here so that the 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 importance of knowing like a wider breadth of knowledge about the dynamic stack has never been more important than now. And now you have so many, many channels to like, where should I start? Right. So that's, that's one, that's where the community comes in. And, and then like your tool here is one very, very good example of how it's actually people sharing now. So if you do have a problem, just post it in, in Twitter or in Yammer or somewhere, and you will most likely get an answer. It's more, it's harder to like, okay, and now I want to learn about this product. Uh, where should I start? That's a little bit more complicated, but finding um, finding a, like an answer to a question, has this been done before? That's much easier today, I think. And hopefully the answer is, is good. I had an ex exact example as you did before, where just knowledge about a real like nasty bug, uh, change tracking related in, in the DMF um, framework, made it very easy for people like, okay, I'm gonna just gonna skip this and this version. And then in this version, I'll, I'll jump on and I'll do this specifically the ones that were in like a project, we can't do this now. So it's all about, okay, we know about this, and where we know that this is coming now. So that breadth of information is much, 
um, much easier now uh, to, to kind of adapt to uh, where it was before. It was like, we don't know if this is going to come. We don't know when it's going to come, um, but we need it. Then we'll build it. Now it's more of like, yeah, we know when it's going to come. When should we activate it? And how do we test it to make sure that it doesn't break when we go into production? Yeah, uh, the testing part is, is actually exactly. crucial, right? Because as, as a community, we all came from somewhat not so professional implementations, right? Because testing wasn't ever something that customers and partners were putting too much attention into. And then we hit like cloud first, more or less cloud only for the first few years, right? It's like, we need to test stuff. And it's like, yeah, yeah, we need to test it in a entirely different way than we used to, right? Because, and just as today, I had a colleague, he's like, with, you know, explaining how it was in the old days and you can see it in his eyes, he was, he was missing the old days. I could open up the AOT, right click, create a job, and then I could fix stuff in production. <laughs> it's yeah. like, I get it. I, 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 get, I get what you are missing, but, <laughs> but as a customer, yeah. I'm not sure that I'm, that I'm missing that part. I know that I might, in, when I'm in a tight position, I might miss it in that specific moment but um, I would <laughs> I would appreciate people not being in my production environment and fooling around in the AOT and deleting tables or yeah. yes. fields yes, yes, yes. or yes I have more than one story. But it's just it's not right. The right clicking part is not that easy. But maybe that's not on your priority yeah. to bring in the the, the tools uh, the, the tools that to quickly create a model with an isolated runnable class uploadable tables. <laughs> yes. <laughs> We actually, we actually had an idea. We, it, it, we actually had a bootcamp today where we were looking into the custom deployment script, right? And that's where my colleague was explaining how the old days were the great days. It's like, I actually, I actually like the concept that someone else than me has to approve yeah, that yep, the script yep. is available, right? Yeah. But that does. I think that might mean that a lot of people will have two accounts in AAD. One is the upload yeah. account, and one is yeah, the yeah, deploy I know. account. <laughs> I, I know. I know. And then we were discussing like if if we were to have review, right? Yeah. I would actually say that we need to have review on the test yeah. instead of the upload of the function. Absolutely. Right? Because running, the, getting the code uploaded, that's one thing. Running the code in test is another mm, thing. Yeah. But validating that the text, the test, and all of the details written to the log is actually what we expected. That's where <laughs> things are going to get messy, right? Yes. It's like. We got uh, names and times and stuff like that, but who actually approved that the test is actually running as we intended to, right? Yes. And that's that's where things get awkward. Yeah. So the, th the thing is that I don't have a developer background, so I, I haven't written a line of X++ in my entire life, which means that this is uh, something that I get a bit scared about when they open up the possibility to run code yeah. directly in production. I, I think it was a very, very good thing. I, I, I th sort of liken it to when you play bowling with kids, that you have these guardrails on the sides. <laughs> yeah. That's a good yeah. thing. Guardrails are good. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you could, uh, you could do the same thing just as easily now. It's just that your deployment window needs to be there in between. You can just upload yeah. a runnable class. Yeah. So it's all about testing and making sure that the, whatever you put in production actually works. This just makes it easier to put it in production. It doesn't really change anything else uh, more than that. It's, it's all about your process and, and having your automated testing. Um, but this way you could reduce the risk. And automated testing is, is, is 
getting you so far or can I only get yeah. you so far, right? Because testing is like a a story of its own, right? In terms of religion and how you approach it, right? So we or I personally are going for like when I have my this, this discussion with the customers, like I want you to identify at tops twenty processes that is either losing your money, customers, or brand value. When when we nail those twenty and start testing those twenty, then you can see how much effort we have to put into keeping keeping those tests green at all times across all releases. Yeah. And and the first customers like. 20 that's that's not nearly enough it's like start with that and make that work <laughs> in all scenarios like all your scenarios for, for 20 20 different things or steps it's going to be a massive undertaking anyways yeah, right exactly. but but that's that's one thing that i've also realized is that that once we start in talking about testing and automatic test cases and and all all of that and all, especially about the updating, uh, regular updating on a very, very, very much tighter schedule than we used to. Then yeah. the testing discussion almost went full, full on the other side that we need to test every single little thing. But you haven't tested things before, so and that and, and that worked. I, I mean, I'm yeah. all for testing, but. You also, I mean, I'm, I'm, I usually say that I'm from the infrastructure side. So uh, we have been doing Windows updates since about 2000s or so. And in the beginning, everyone was the same way. We need to test everything. We need to have a test set of computers that we run all of the patches on before we deploy them in production. But people fairly quickly realized that we, don't, we can't afford that. We can't afford having people just doing tests every single month. That won't work. So, I mean, I think there is a really, really big point in what you're saying about the 20 most important yeah, exactly. business it's processes as well. Yeah. I mean, you, you don't need to test everything every single time, I would say. Because if you have a fairly long sprint release then you will be using the product in UAT in that in in that period so you will notice things there as well yeah hopefully right i mean that, that's this is like a religion so it's always always like everyone i would love to have 20 like 20 good tests for each process automated for each of these preferably in my daily heartbeat like a nice little graph every morning that i can look at okay everything is green looks good now we can move ahead that's great, and I think that's what that's what everyone wants. Uh, it's just a matter of how you get there. But I think sp specifically what I like about the twenty part is keep it. I mean, start with that, and then you can evolve because it's always about it. people try to build like one hundred percent coverage automated tests from the start. Yeah. It's, it's not easy. You have to start somewhere. Nope. Yeah, and and you know, I'm not. We don't we don't run the largest projects in Denmark, right? We are a small partner. We know that. We know what league we are mm. in, right? But when we're meeting the CIO and the CEO and the CTO, it's like they want to do testing. I say, that's fair. I, I totally get it. But did you do any automated testing prior to this project? No. Okay. Let's just find 20. <laughs> Which 20 should it be? It's like, do you lose money if it doesn't work? That's a good yeah, measurement, exactly. right? Yep. Do you lose customers? That's a good mm -hmm. measurement. Are you losing brand value? That's a good mm -hmm. measurement. Yep. Anything beyond that, ignore that for now. You can take it if you want. You know, identify 20 that fits those three. 
and then pri then do a prioritization on that and say which one will cost us the most mm. of either three measurements, right? Yep. Absolutely. And I actually have a customer that couldn't come up with one scenario <laughs> where they could uh, fit any of those three wow. because they were running such a simple setup in their ERP system. All the other important project uh, processes were in the VMS system <laughs> okay. or in the production system. And so it's like, then you should focus your efforts on those two yeah, systems that's not living inside. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's true because ERP is like, if it comes to finance, okay, I understand cash flow is super important, but it's it doesn't take you like, it's not a 10 second thing, right? You can live with something being broken for a little while. And, and that analysis yeah. is really important as well to come in because everyone wants things to work all the time. Absolutely. But when it comes to like prioritization in, in between, if you have a very, very tight ordering system and, and you people are standing and doing nothing, if that flow stops, that's where you should invest all of your automated testing and all of your like testing efforts because then you really lose yeah. money and, and lose um, efficiency. Whereas maybe invoicing those specific orders on a monthly basis isn't where you should invest all of your money <laughs> doing automation. So it's a very yeah. good measurement, I think. Yeah. But that was one and thing that happened to me at the customer as well, um, because we, we I was I was in charge of setting up like the the sprint release cycle and and. Uh, sort of uh, some kind of process for deciding when to do the deploy and when to not do deploy. So I, I tried mm -hmm. to explain to the people who, who was in charge that uh, if we find uh, a, an issue in regression testing at a very late stage in the deploy, then we basically have two choices. Either we deploy either way and, and, and decide that we can live with the issue and inform people that this specific uh, process doesn't work right now. It's a bit broken. We are going to fix this as soon as possible. Mm. Or we halt the entire release, deploy the fix, and then we do another set of regression set testing, which means that we will move things about two weeks further, uh, further on, later than before. So, so you mean... And, and the question I got was, so you mean that we are deploying broken code? Yes, absolutely. And, and that's, actually, that's actually funny that you mentioned that, Johan, because that's actually getting into some of the things that I dearly care about. It's like, I was super excited when I learned about the feature management yeah. module coming from Microsoft, right? Mm -hmm. And I saw, okay, now we can do feature flagging. Mm -hmm. That is going to fix all of these things that we have in terms of are we going live or we're not going live with semi-broken code, right? Because if every single new addition to the platform is getting behind the feature flag, you can actually disable the broken code and push to production and live with that for quite some time. Exactly. That's a very important feature. We try to flag that one as well as much as possible. Everything you put into the system should be parameter controlled or feature flagged yeah. or uh, specifically by, by that yeah. like, like data area. Uh, then if you have a lot of companies, you need to have a specific feature yeah. that needs to be localized. So that's uh, that, like, exactly like you yeah. said, it takes a little risk off, but it's also very nice because then you can kind of reuse that feature later on in a different company, but you don't necessarily have to activate it now. So yeah, I, I completely yeah. agree. Um, the problem, the trick, tricky part is knowing how, how, what features to deactivate if it's not off. So you need to have that mindset from the start when you design it. Yeah. That's um, you can't think of a parameter five minutes before deploy because you're feeling scared. You have to <laughs> think about it before you. No, no, it. It, it it's it's like it's like you start with the security, hmm. 
and then you start with feature yeah. flagging, and then you start your okay. development yeah, exactly. right away. Yeah. But but as community and I and I was hoping that Microsoft would come with a pattern for us to, you know, piggyback mm -hmm. on that. Here is how we envision that you can do feature flagging for customizations, and here are some guides. If you do it like this, we are gonna honor it, and you can honor it, and here's the dashboard. Yeah. Yeah. That was yeah. like I was hoping for that, yes. and that didn't. That never came. It's like okay. No, now it's all about doing it parameterized in your own way, but. Yeah. At least there, the, the pattern is there for the new functionality, which helps us a lot in, in planning, testing, etc. So that's, but exactly, yeah. I, I know what you mean. But speaking of that, the community-driven development, the, you wanted to, to discuss that a little bit as well. You want us topic um, on the community. So, mean, so I, as I said before, I'm I'm not a developer, but but I I, I have followed Mutt's project and and some other GitHub projects. I'm I'm a developer wannabe. I I usually tell people <laughs> I I would like to have been a developer, but I, it never happened that way, uh, and I'm not good enough to write code so that no one will hire me to be be a developer. But that's why I think it's a you bit would be interesting. <laughs> okay, <laughs> but that's why I think it's a bit interesting when Microsoft launched a community-driven developer which is basically a way to let partners and customers cr create, uh, I, I would say pr predominantly fixes and actually submit them to Microsoft and have them added to the, to the Microsoft code base, vetted and tested and added to the code base. And I, I basically got a bit sad when I realized that I heard someone saying that no one is using this which made me a bit sad and, and I, I couldn't really understand why. So I was wondering if, if any of you guys had any, any expl explanation on it. <laughs> no, but I was thinking about what, what to answer. I mean, it's, it's, uh, I shared the, the API. I also feel a bit sad that it's not used. It's really, it's, but it's Microsoft at their best today. A lot of new stuff, right? The community-driven development, a lot of new upgrading docs, um, the whole convergence thing, a lot of different things um, coming in the platform, community-driven development being one, which I think is really good. The problem, I think, is, is with the execution of it. Um, from my experience, I haven't really had much time to invest in it, but it's great if you're like an ISV and if you have the time and the resources to, to pull off the admin um, with, uh, related around that. Uh, if not, I, I can see that, that that's where... Um, uh, I haven't seen any statistics on it. I just I haven't heard that many people use it. So I'm I'm kind of assuming here that it's not very well used. Um, maybe you know better. I I I actually uh, I actually used it twice because I had some uh, some things that I wanted to uh, to adjust in terms of I'm I'm depending a lot of O data yeah. in terms of either automating uh, configuration after data refresh or in terms of uh, you know classic integration into you know the yeah. business processes, and uh, the onboarding it was pretty easy, right? It's like getting the access, writing the emails. It was like less than two days. You were fully, uh, fully allowed to be in and look at mm -hmm. the code, and you had to read all the documentation, and then you could start a new task or a new question, and then, then someone from Microsoft would come back to you and like try to extract from you what the purpose of your suggestion is. Mm. And if they approve it, then you're allowed to do a pull mm. request because they are actually running Git yeah. in this program and they're not running 
the classic TFS, right? So it's like that's, the irony. That's, that's, that's the, uh, yeah, that's the irony. And I love that you're laughing, Johan. It's like, okay, so so here we can do pull requests. Okay. And then and then you then you do the change and then they have a review process, right? And and, and it works. I think that some of the uh, one of the issues is that the speed of the response for Microsoft hmm. is too slow for a partner that might have an issue that is like, yeah, we are bleeding money at this point, or our customer is bleeding money at this point. We need to fix this, and we are actually willing to put in all our combined effort to fix yeah. it. And then you then you meet the wall of enterprise and like <laughs> cloud scale is like this needs to have a review yeah, process, exactly. and it, it might take. A few months, right? Hmm. And then the then the partner and customer might lose the faith of of the program. Yeah, and I think yeah. that's exactly my, my sentiment. That I think it's a very nice um, if you if you have a well very long planning forecast and you kind of do it because it's a very nice addition to the project and from a community like improvement perspective, it makes a lot of sense. And I think, uh, but that's where the problem comes in. That who will then pay for that developer's time? Is it if it's not Microsoft, is it the partner or the customer? So I think that's where the underlying well, well explanation of why you are sad, you want <laughs> it's not being used that much. But but I I would love to get some stats on it because I, I think it's a really good idea. But it's not fixing a production well go live stopping issue, of course. But it's improving on the product, and the more we can do that um, from a community community perspective, the better, of course. Uh, but then I mean just as well like post the code on a, uh, on a like a blog post and then if it comes in as a standard after five months sure that's great but until then people can still look at the code and implement it as a solution if needed yeah and what i think that what the what the offering from microsoft actually solves is that some things you cannot fix in extensions yeah, right exactly because if if the issue is really in the kernel or in the in the base of the product that's the only way to fix it for real, yep. right? Mm. So the, it's actually it's actually the the first place I go when I need to understand issues, right? Because the code is in clear text. I can do code search that is faster than my Visual Studio and all of that. So I actually get into that and say, okay, I just want to find this class and understand how it's structured and whatever it's calling, right? And then if I have a support case, it it's actually making it possible for me to go in, find the code as is, and actually share it with the support and say, this is the code. We expect it to mm. be line 16. That's the issue, right? <laughs> Please go and talk to the product room. Yeah. Right. And as you said, Johan, when we started the conversation is that the support team isn't the product team. No. And, and it, that's fair enough, right? Because the support team is available 24-7. The product team isn't. Yeah, no. And, and, shouldn't and, be, and right? I, I mean, sometimes I actually think that the support team has almost a harder time to to get get in touch with the product team that we do but but what you're what you're saying now is is actually we had a we had a really funny incident it could be something good to to end with uh, when we when we were on on version 8 or something i actually had a colleague submit the support issue into microsoft because that was when when the code was not sealed, so so he was able yeah. to figure out all of the code and and look at the entire code, and at some point there was a fi- a function that wasn't working, and he went into Microsoft's code and realized that it was it was actually commented out, 
the entire code block was commented out in Microsoft's code. So when he when he when he talked to support, they said, "So could you could you reproduce the issue? The yeah. code is not there. It's it's yeah. <laughs> it's gone." Yeah. <laughs> but how do you do it with? Please listen to me. It's gone. <laughs> yeah. And and that's actually that's also when you are f- when you are in a tight situation where the customer is either losing money or the project is is getting a lot of beating in terms of that we hit a roadblock we cannot fix and then it's actually jeopardizing the goal life and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Then it's it can be hard to talk with the support because they have this checklist how to reproduce it yep, and yep. you know it's like okay could you just please accept what I'm saying <laughs> as the truth? No, 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 please. Can you do a screen sharing? Yeah. Yes, of course we can. It's Telemetry like, please. <laughs> can I? Yeah. Yes. Couldn't couldn't I just record this, send it to you, and then you could ship it away to the product mm. team, right? And that's where Jamma is actually yeah. a shortcut into the product room. Absolutely, right? and specific Teams channels as well for for some of the new products. They're really great, and you get a lot of like yeah. um, a lot of lot of love from Microsoft. <laughs> Where you can well, or and from the community as well, so I think that's uh, that's where it really shines up. So um, support has its um, like you say channels, uh, but I've, I have a lot of good support cases nowadays as well. It's all about the criticality and how how time intensive it is, yeah. right? If you have time, just jump through the hoops, and you will most often get a good answer. So someone yeah. actually told me the other day that that's uh, uh, submitting a support case is actually a skill. It's nothing. Yeah. It's something <laughs> yeah. that you need to learn, and it's something that yeah. you, after a while, you do it really well because you know exactly what what the questions they expect. What yes, what questions what you will get you. back, and and you can you can uh, you can be one step ahead of them. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, but it's actually funny, right? On the uh, assessment assessment that you have to provide for the go live, they actually state that. Does any everyone on the team understand how to support or how to support ticket? <laughs> yes, it's actually part of the assessment, yes, yes. right? And I think yes. that's that's how it should be. It should be transparent. I remember a couple of years back, before the whole uh, testing part, a, a, a client when they did the estimation of the project, they they included a specified amount of hours for bug fixing. And I, I thought was, yeah. that was great to do that. Uh, but the, I know the client was like, "But do you intend to ship a malfunctioning product?" But that's not how it works. You expect to have bug no. fixes, so always expect that something and, and implement that in your time plan and be transparent about it because that that's, makes more sense because that's the reality how it is with complex uh, yeah. business critical systems. Um, I actually think that that is uh, sort of all we had time for today. So uh, I would like yeah. to say thank you much for uh, joining us today. It was thank really so really thank, funny. Thanks for having thank me. It was, yes. it was my pleasure. Yes. And uh, to our listeners, uh, have a great time until we hear next. Bye-bye. Take care. Bye.